0: Welcome. This is a message from Victory Church. We trust you'll be inspired and encouraged by today's message. Packing heat. Now, packing heat. Now, based on your response, some of you know what I'm talking about. Some of you, possibly not. When I mentioned this title to my wife, she was like, What the? What are you talking about? So for those of us who don't know, packing heat means this. It means carrying a concealed weapon for self-protection or with the intent of an aggressive action. Packing heat. okay? It's not something that perhaps we're hugely familiar with here in the Australian culture, but around the world, in different cultures, perhaps uh, Southern America says, packing heat is common. I wasn't, I wasn't singling Sis out there. We had a little discussion about this. this oh, be careful. I better be careful. What I say, he's packing heat. I mean, in the schools in America, they've got metal detectors. I don't know if you realize this. To stop students from bringing weapons into the classroom. Okay? Interesting. Well, some of the most, one of the most vivid characters of packing heat would have to be Dirty Harry. Would you agree? Dirty Harry, he, he packed some serious heat. And the weapon of his choice was a Magnum 44. And he gave us one of the most famous quotes in all of movie history. Can, can anyone remember what that quote was? That's it. Are you feeling lucky? Well, do you, punk? It's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a famous quote that we're familiar with. I mean, there's another character too from movie history uh, that is, he's a more suave, a more sophisticated British. Someone's on the same wavelength as me. He's more intelligent. He can use his charm to pack the heat. We're talking about Mr. James Bond, okay? Now, he could, generally, he could generally talk his way out of a situation, use his charm, his intellect, or whatever, but at the end of the day, if he needed it, he was packing heat as well, and he knew what to do with it and how to bring it. My question tonight is, are you packing heat? I'm not talking about, have you got a 9 millimeter in your back pocket? But what are you doing with the potential that God has given you? God has given all of us crazy potential. Whether you're a Christian or a non-Christian here tonight, God has given that to you. But the thing is, some people are using that potential. Some people are going through life, and they are rising to the table, rising to the cause, where other of us sometimes are meandering through life a little bit, walking from situation to situation or circumstance to circumstance, and it's getting the best of us. So tonight, what I want to do is I want to look at this packing heat because Dirty Harry, James Bond, they knew how to bring the heat. And tonight, we're going to look at an Old Testament warrior, a prince an heir to the throne, and he also knew how to pack the heat. Why don't you open up your Bibles, and let's look at 1 Samuel chapter 14. 1 Samuel chapter 14. But before I go into that, let's get a bit of a background as to what's happening here. Some background so we can get some context. Up to this point in the Bible, the Israelites have been in constant battles with their enemies. Constantly fighting people. There's been some glorious victories and some crushing defeats. And all through this time, they were fighting. And the the Bible, really, up to this point, is like a Hollywood script. Intrigue, mystery, murder. You've just got to read through the Old Testament and you'll see that. Now, in this chapter here... We see the Israelites are fighting the Philistines, their old foe, the Philistines. They hated the Philistines. The Philistines hated them. They wanted to wipe each other out. And we see here in this chapter that once again they are facing off. But things are a little bit different this time. Israel has a king. For centuries, the Israelites were led by prophets and judges who were directed by God. But the Israelites have been looking around at the other nations around about them. And they said to themselves, we want a king too. We want to be under the subject of a king because we like the look of that. And so in this chapter we see this. King Saul has recently been made king. And the problem is, King Saul wasn't that much of a king. His leadership was a little bit lacking. And so the Israelites find themselves in a precarious position. They're outnumbered. By the Philistines. They're outgunned. In fact, they only had two swords and two spears amongst all of them. Now, I don't know about you, but if, if that was the, uh, the advertising brochure for the army, I wouldn't be joining that army. I'm saying, no thanks, I'll pass on that one. I'll go look somewhere else. So seriously outnumbered, seriously outgunned, and looking down the barrel of a furious Philistine army. Let's have a read. 1 Samuel chapter 14. One day, Jonathan, the son of Saul, said to the young man who carried his armor, Come, let us go over to the Philistine garrison on the other side. But he did not tell his father. Saul was staying in the outskirts of Gibeah in the pomegranate cave at Migron. The people who were with him were about 600 men, including Ahijah, the son of Ahitab, Ichibod's brother, son of Phineas, son of Eli the priest of the Lord in Shiloh, wearing an ephod. And the people did not know that Jonathan had gone. Let's jump over to verse 6. Jonathan said to the young man who was carrying his armor, Come, let us go over to the garrison of these uncircumcised. It may be that the Lord will work for us, for nothing can hinder the Lord from saving by many or by few. And his armor-bearer said to him, Do all that is in your heart. Do as you wish. Behold, I am with you, heart and soul. Verse 13 continues. Then Jonathan climbed up on his hands and feet, and his armor-bearer after him, and they fell before Jonathan. That's the Philistines they're talking about there. And his armor-bearer killed them after him. And that first strike which Jonathan and his armor-bearer made killed about 20 men. And there was panic in the camp, In the field and amongst all the people, the garrison and even the raiders trembled, the earth quaked, and it became a very great panic. Well, there you go. There you go. You have the story there. The Old Testament warrior that we're looking at tonight, Prince, is none other than the fresh prince of Jerusalem himself, the first prince of Jerusalem, Jonathan, okay? And Jonathan packed heat in spades, okay? Okay? What I want to do is look at and see what it was about Jonathan that caused him to have this. Now, in some ways, in a lot of ways, Jonathan and his father were very similar. Jonathan was a prince, Saul was a the king. They had very similar attributes. I dare say they had very similar outtakes and outlooks on life, possibly politics, war. Their tactics probably came from the same teacher, they probably had similar fighting. Styles. Yet there was something about them that was different. The ebb and the flow of their life, what we see in the Bible, shows a completely different story for them both. Sauls was like a soap opera. From one stuff up to one mistake to one confusion after another. Whereas Jonathan, his life was a model of strong conviction, standing up for what he believed in, doing the right thing, leadership. And he was able to bring the heat to each and every situation that he faced. So we're going to look at tonight three things that I believe Jonathan possessed which helped him to pack the heat. Number one is heart. Heart. 1 Samuel 14, 1 says, One day Jonathan, the son of Saul, said to the young man who carried his armor, Come, let us go over to the Philistine garrison on the other side. But he did not tell his Father, heart, it's the first letter of heat, H, heart. Jonathan had heart, he had a big heart, and I don't just mean he had a beating heart, I mean he had heart, okay? You can tell this because of his passion, you can tell this because of his love, you can tell this because of his desire for his people that caused him to not just sit back not just to sit by idly, as his people were attacked by the Philistines. He sat there and he thought to himself, no, I'm not going to let this happen. This is not going to happen on my shift because he loved his people. He wanted the best for his people. He didn't want his people to be led away in slavery. He wanted them to stand up in the rightful place and position that they owned. He had heart for them. It was his heart attitude that enabled him to rescue Israel, not just once, but twice. Jonathan did this twice. So what is heart? What does heart mean? I mean, it can mean a lot of things, obviously, can't it? But the two things that I really want to highlight tonight is two simple things that Jesus talked about. In Matthew 22, he said, heart, or two of the greatest commandments are, loving God, and loving people. And I believe that is what heart is all about. And I believe that that is what Jonathan had. He had a love for his God. I mean, he had grown up probably reading all the stories, hearing them all, of the mighty judges that had come before. Men like Samson, the biblical bodybuilder, the man who took it to the Philistines. He'd probably read other stories of other mighty warriors in the Bible. And he said to himself, hey, My God is this big. I love my God. This can't happen. Also, though, he loved his people. And it was a combination of these two things which enabled him to pack the heat. Now, Jesus talked about this in Matthew 22. But Jesus wasn't one to rest on his laurels. He wasn't one to take a back seat. He wasn't one to just be happy with the status quo. Jesus took this uh, heart thing to a whole nother level. Okay, He said, loving people as you love yourself is not enough. It's not just about that. But he said this, loving people, you have to love people as much as I love you. That's what Jesus said. Jesus wants us to love not only God, but other people as much as Jesus loves us i mean that's a big call isn't it because who knows that jesus love for us was huge massive and there's it's very hard for us to be able to comprehend how we could love others like that also but that is the whole thing and the whole deal behind heart love people is jesus how does your heart compare to that how does my heart compare to that What's your heart attitude towards God? Is it perhaps a little bit cold? What's your heart attitude towards people? If we were to look at the heart-o-meter, your heart-o-meter, my heart-o-meter, where would it be on the scale between Jonathan and Jesus? Where would we rank ourselves? It's something that is good to reflect on. Now, I know it. It's not always easy to... uh, to keep these things at the forefront of our mind, loving God and loving people 24 7 hours a day, because people, they could be annoying, can't they? Just being honest with you, you can, that's your opportunity to laugh there, because it's true, isn't it? People can be annoying. People can mess things up for you, can't they? People can uh, make things confusing. All these types of things can happen when we start to deal with people. But that's what packing heart, packing heat, and having heart is all about. You see, the Christian life, the Christian walk, in two ways is summed up in those two things loving God and loving people. And if we can't get a handle, if we can't get a grip on those two things, it's not easy. It's not an easy thing to be able to do. However, if we can do this, it goes a long way to be able to help us to be able to pack heat. We've got to be able to go through the highs and the lows. We've got to be able to take people warts and all. I mean, who knows how easy it is. It's easy, isn't it, to love people when things are going great. It's easy to love people when they're stroking your back. It's easy to love people when you know they're listening to you and the things that you're saying and when they're doing the things that you want to do. But when people start to have their own opinion, when people start to think for themselves, when people start to not do what I want them to do, well, that's a problem. And more importantly, that's a problem for them. It can be a real issue, can't it? But heart, we want to write people off and put them in the too hard basket. But we've got to be able to see people and love them as Jesus loved them. Yeah. Okay. I'll give, you a, I'll give you an illustration of this. Loving people. When my wife and I first got married, my wife is obviously uh, an Adelaide girl and I'm a Melbourne boy. <laughs> Shouldn't have mentioned that. All right, I'll make mental note of that. <laughs> so we got married, obviously, and we got married here in Adelaide, and then we moved back to, uh, to Melbourne to live, okay? So we got married, and we went on the honeymoon, and all lovey and dovey and fantastic and <laughs> euphoria, and we drove back to Melbourne, and we got home to Melbourne, and all of our goods had arrived while we were on our honeymoon. And first day, we are unpacking all of our uh, goods and stuff like that, and the boxes, and and Sky didn't like to follow, or didn't think it was necessary to follow my systematic approach to unpacking boxes. I'm, I'm a bit of a process person, so to me it was, okay, we take one box, cut it open, take one thing out, put it away. Sky was like, no, 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 we don't need to do that. Let's take 10 boxes, cut them open, take 100 things, throw them around, and they'll figure out for themselves where they need to go, and it doesn't matter about the mess and all that. I'm talking it up a little bit. Talk it up a little bit. And so it's amazing how this euphoria love can turn to shock horror. What? What? <laughs> to slight annoyance, and then to outright hostility. <laughs> In just a short moment, and... It can be like that with people, can't it? Yeah. You know? Everything's great and fine while well. it's all, all happening correctly, but easily, quite easily it's it's easy to turn yeah. from that into selfishness. Yeah. And from there into bitterness yeah. when it comes to people. Yeah. It's human nature. Yeah. But what's the size of our heart? Yeah. You know, how big is our heart? I think the greatest way to increase the size of your heart is to get to know the Father's heart. Get to know the passionate heart that God had for us. Get to know the furious love that God had for us. That he sat back and he thought, and he said to himself, I can't just let this continue like this. I have to do something. And so he sent his son Jesus for us. I mean, you can't see or know a more passionate heart than God's heart. And do you know what? If you're spending time, if you realize this, if you begin to understand how passionate and how furious God's love is for you, well then, it's kind of easy for you then to be able to see people the way that God sees people. Because if you're, if you're hanging out with, with God, if you're spending time with God, this love will be rubbing off on you. I mean, we can't spend, you can't spend time with someone without some of their traits rubbing off on you. Would you agree? That's right, isn't it? Now, if you're telling me, I don't like people, they're just annoying, but I love God. It doesn't quite match up. You can't spend time with God. You can't love God and not have some of his love for people rub off on you. Jonathan had a big heart, though. He had a massive heart. And it was his passionate love, his passionate heart for his people, which made him stand up and do something about it. My second point is encouragement. Encouragement. The second letter of heat is E for encouragement. Verse 7 says, And his armor-bearer said to him, Do all that is in your heart. Do as you wish. Behold, I am with you, heart and soul. It's hard to pack the heat when you're doing life alone. I mean, it's not impossible. You can do it. But it's a lot easier to bring the heat when you're doing life with other people who are bringing the heat as well, who have got heart. The Christian journey in particular is not meant to be done alone. You need to be doing it with other people who also love God, love people, and have a big heart, and also who bring the encouragement. I mean, encouragement, what's encouragement? It's about bringing courage, isn't it? Bringing courage to each other. One of the most exciting, one of the most rewarding times of the week for me is connect group. It's awesome. Connect group. Getting together with other people who've got big heart and bring lots of encouragement. We've got some crazy, cool cats in my connect group. They're awesome. And every week when we come together, they tell me and they express this authentic, passionate relationship and faith that they have with God. And it stirs me up. I mean, you... you, you You've got to believe, it. it, 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 as I'm doing my life, as I'm doing my deal, I'm reminded, hey, these guys are doing this as well. It puts courage in me. It puts courage into my life to be able to do what I need to be able to do. And there's a lot of playful banter, obviously, a lot of fun, a lot of mucking around, a lot of digging each other and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, we know that we've got each other's back. Okay, We're encouraging each other. I mean, the animal kingdom knows this, doesn't it? The animal kingdom. They congregate in herds, don't they? They don't do life by themselves. Because what does a predator do? It looks for the weak. It looks for the isolated. It looks for maybe the, what, the straggler who's, who's off by itself, and pow, it takes it out. That's like our enemy. He wants to take us out too. However if we've positioned ourselves with a group of people who've got heart, who are bringing encouragement, who are putting the courage into our lives, well, he can't touch us. Because we are loving God, loving people, and we are doing life together. Don't you just love the armor bearer's response? I am with you heart and soul. Can you imagine the feeling that must have brought to Jonathan? The strength, the encouragement to know that he's got someone here who's got his back? I mean, he could have taken any one of the 600 men that were with his father, any of them, but he didn't. He took his armor bearer because he knew it's better to have one man with heart and encouragement. Then to have a whole army full of lukewarm people, and Jonathan drew encouragement from that. He drew courage. Who's your armor bearer? Who's got your back? Who's looking out for you? Or are you doing life? Or is your Christian journey being done in isolation? It won't work. It's not going to work like that. You need to have an armor bearer. You need to have someone who puts the courage into your life. They'll get your back. They'll have you. They'll support you when it's needed. They'll look out for you. Years ago, a few years back, back in Melbourne... I decided I've been a Christian for a fair while now, I need to uh, go out and do a little bit of street evangelism, just to stir myself up, not because I'm an amazing evangelist or anything like that, but because I thought the best way to uh, be able to drop the message of the gospel at the drop of a hat is to go out there and do it. So I'm not, I'm not talking about crazy street ranting on the corner and stuff like that, but just growing up and greeting people and meeting people and talking to them and stuff like that. And I had a friend in the church who had my back. Because whilst I had maybe knowledge from over the years and I knew what to say and all that type of stuff, he had the passion. Okay? He had the drive. He didn't know any better. He was a newly saved Christian and he just wanted to get out there. The problem is he didn't know what to say. So we said, okay, well, Let's do this together. I will take your courage and your inspiration and your passion, and you can take my wisdom, my experience, and my knowledge, and together we'll go do this thing. And uh, it was fun, in a way. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't fun when we were driving there. <laughs> Wasn't fun when we were getting out of the car. But once you started... Once she got on a roll, once we started to get each other's back and jump in at different points, he would jump in, I would jump in, courage came to us, heart came to us, and it became less and less about, well, this is something that I should go out and do because I've been a Christian for a while, it became more about, well, who are we going to meet today? Who are we going to see today? We'd go to the skate parks, we'd go down to the train station, we went to the Melbourne show. And it was a great learning experience for me in being able to share my faith, but also in the power of having someone backing you up. Some of us don't have an armor bearer, though. Some of us don't have anyone that can put the courage into us. Some of us are listening to they... The wrong people. You know they, yeah? Do you know who they are? They're people who say, well, I don't know about that. Or, I don't believe that. Or, are you sure about that? They. The wrong they. There can be the right they and the wrong they. The question is, who are you listening to? If you've got an armor bearer, someone backing you up, you're going to be hearing from the right they. If you don't, more likely than not, you'll be hearing from the wrong they. That's what happened to Saul. He listened to the wrong they. He was sitting back on the sidelines, and he listened to the people. They were starting to murmur, and he was starting to get worried What do I do? They're questioning my leadership. I'm not looking good here. I'm the first king of Israel. Not only am I going to be the first king, I'm probably going to be the last king of Israel. This is not good. And he listened to the wrong they. His men were scattering. They were doubting his leadership. They were full of fear. And in the end, Saul listened to them. And when Samuel rocked up, he wasn't happy. He was disappointed. Saul, what have you done? Why did you do this? You were supposed to wait for me. And Saul said, I can just imagine Saul going, well, I had to do something. They were leaving. What was I supposed to do? They is powerful. Because they speak stuff into our lives. The question is, are you listening to the right they or the wrong they? Because they have sway. I've listened to the wrong they before. Several years back, this opportunity came up for me. And through listening to the wrong they, through listening to, well wow, you need to get ahead in life, through listening to, well, this is what everyone else is doing, through listening to, well, you you don't know if you're going to be able to rely on the government one day. I went ahead and did something that is still having ramifications nowadays. I lost a stack of money. Caused a lot of stress. And it's probably not going to sort itself out, for quite a while through listening to the wrong they but it's not just about listening to the wrong they you could have a right they in your life but you're not listening to them I mean you're hearing them you're hearing the things that they're saying but you're saying I don't need to do that I know what to do I'll just do what I want to do or it could be you're not even asking for their advice that's what happened to me I thought, okay, I'm a semi intelligent person. I can run these numbers. I can run these facts. I'll just ignore the fact that I can't sleep for two nights in a row. I should have not only approached the right they, but I should have listened to the right they. But you know what? God is awesome. You know, God is amazing. I mean, God is powerful, and his grace is upon our lives. But anyway, Saul listened to the wrong they, okay? And it messed him up. It didn't just mess him up. It messed up the future for his descendants. The kingdom got taken away from him. Jonathan? No longer going to be king. But thankfully, Jonathan didn't listen to the wrong way. He took encouragement from his armor bearer. So once again, who is your armor bearer? Who are you listening to? Do you have someone who's putting encouragement, putting the courage into your life? Because you need them. You need that person. And my last point is, point three is, action taker. The last two letters of heat. (laughs) Jonathan didn't just know the deal, Jonathan did the deal, okay? This is the second time that Jonathan opened up a can on the Philistines, okay? (laughs) But he didn't just do it then, he also did it, by defending David. His his father, King Saul, hated David. And Jonathan on numerous times defended him. On numerous times he helped him escape from David. From from Saul, sorry. And David, you've got to realise, is a future rival for the throne. This is not just his best buddy, it was his best buddy, but at the same time, potential threat enemy. In the natural world, that's someone that you would be wanting to take out. But Jonathan, he made the hard calls when they were needed to be made. You know, patterns can emerge in our life based on the choices that we make. If we choose to take action, then more likely than not, the next time a situation arises, we will take action again. However, if we think to ourselves, on this time, I'm just going to sit back. I'm just going to take a bit of a breather now, enjoy the sidelines a little bit. The next time when a challenge comes along, the next time maybe when uh, the status quo is kind of rocked, we'll probably sit on the sidelines again. Uh, I don't want that action. I'll just take the sidelines again. It gets easier and easier. The patterns of our life. Well, Saul's story, his pattern was sitting on the sidelines. Stuff up, mistake after mistake. Whereas Jonathan's, the pattern of his life was taking action. What I love about Jonathan, too, was he didn't really have any huge strategy in mind. He was sort of like just, well, I don't know what the end game is going to be, Mr. Armour Bearer, but let's go have a look. Let's go have a look-see. Sometimes we can get what I call paralysis by analysis, I'm not committing to anything until I know A, B, C, X, Y, Z, and everything else in between. Then once I feel, yeah, that sounds all right, then I'll commit to it. That's not Jonathan. He said, okay, let's do this. So he first of all said, what's the next step I got to take? Well, I got to go have a look. So that's what he did. What's the next step after that? Well, let's show ourselves to the Philistines. What's the next step after that? Well, let's engage in conversation. Then the next step was, let's go up. The last step was, let's kill him. The next step. I love the next step. It takes a lot of the confusion. It takes a lot of the, the angst out of, what am I supposed to be doing? Especially when we're talking about God's will for our life. A lot of times, we just need to step out and do something. It could be something simple. Just being consistent with my devotions. It could be just, well, respecting my boss. It could be, well, I think I might church to church every week. It could be, I need to step up and take and lead a connect group. It could be, I need to go back to school, further my education so I can improve my career prospects. It could be any of these things. But if you take the deep analysis out of it, if you step back for a minute and look at it, you'll probably know what the next thing you need to do is, what the next step in your life is supposed to be. Because God will reveal it to you. And do you know what happens? As you're challenged, as you take that step out, what you think is scary, it'll possibly be scary at the start, but before long... You'll be doing the thing, you'll be doing the next step, and you'll just be thinking, this is just my default action. This is just what I do. This is just who I am. This is no big deal. This is easy. And at that moment, more often than not, that's when God will say, here's the next step. Here's the next thing that I want you to do. And you just roll with the punches. You go, okay, God, I'll put my hand up. I'll do that. I'll take action. I will follow the pattern that I've done before of taking action. And it's an easy thing. So, packing heat, two words. It's an attitude. Packing heat, it's an attitude about realizing the potential that God has for us has for you, has for me. Because God wants to do amazing things through your life. You've got to believe that. You've got to believe that. He wants to do amazing things through your life. And if we're packing heat, heart, encouragement, an action taker, these things are so much easier. So just in conclusion, heart. Are you loving God and people? What's the condition of your heart? Is it perhaps cool? Is it cool to God? The one who is so passionately in love with us, has so much heart for us. Are you cool to people? What's your heart I me like? What's the thermostat of your heart? Do you perhaps need to turn it up a few notches? Encouragement. Are you doing the Christian journey with others who are packing heat? Others who've got heart? Who's your armor bearer? Who's got your back? Also, whose back have you got? Who are you listening to? Who's listening to you? And lastly, an action taker. Are we willing to take action? Or do we want to sit in the safety of the sidelines? What will become the pattern of your life, of my life? What's the next step that we've got to do? I mean, Tony's been talking about this for a while now through the identity series, through talking about the stages of your life. Are you learning the lessons from those stages? Based on that, what is the next step you feel you need to take? What do you think God is calling you to do? But I want to encourage you, be like our man, Jonathan. He packed the heat. He had heart. He had the encouragement. He was an action taker. And it was because of those things, he was able to bring the heat time and time again and come up on top. That's it. I'm done. Thank you very much. This is the end of the message. Thank you for taking the time to listen. and God bless.